We are live. I'm here with Pycris. Pycris, say hello. Hello. How have you been doing? What's uh, what's new since we talked last? Um, not a whole lot. It's just kind of been surviving in in, in uh, robot mode. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you tell the, the viewers uh, a recap of the last couple of times we spoke? We did uh, pre-recorded, edited interviews. Uh, just a little, really brief overview of uh, who you are in case they didn't see your, your interviews. And maybe they can go back and watch them after. But just give a really quick overview of who you are and uh, what sort of journey you're on these days. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're Pi Chris. I'm Pycris. Uh I did a couple of interviews with like two episodes, I think. Yeah. With, with David here and uh this kinda went off about my worldview and how I see the world, I guess. And where are you geographically? Just remind the viewers. East coast of the United States. Okay. Obviously, it's sunny there, and uh, the temperature's not too bad if you're out. Uh, out on, are you on your porch or what? I'm on my porch, yeah. Nice. So, what, uh, what's your position right now on monotheism uh, in general, Christianity in particular? Can you just sort of talk me through... I know you've sort of had some kind of experience with Methodism in your family and different stuff like that. And, of course, we're live, so only... Uh, say stuff you're comfortable saying. Obviously, you don't want to re reveal too much. But yeah. well, uh, just talk a little bit about monotheism in general and Christianity in particular. Have you been dabbling at all with those worldviews? Uh, well, I kind of, eh, I kind of abandoned the whole. Oh, I'm a, I'm an atheist and a Satanist thing. I thought it was kind of dumb anyway. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, fun while it lasted, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of kind of found god in my own way nice nice so uh if you don't mind my asking remind me how old are you uh, approximately uh i'll be 31 and i'll be 31 next week nice happy birthday so what uh, what gets you excited uh, when you wake up in the morning what sort of uh, ideas are you pursuing i know you told me off the record that you do a little bit of live streaming uh, every friday and i don't know if you want to talk about that but what are the every, idea what are the uh, ideas that you play with week to week that you're excited about uh well the, the the live stream that i hang out on is on sunday nights but it's mostly just like for like internet internet trolls <laughs> <laughs> Are you a troll? Uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> Professional troll. So uh, I think we talked about that a little bit in your second interview, just the, what it is to be a troll. And uh, I guess it's an overlap with Satanism. There's some sort of uh, playfulness involved. Is that true? Well, I actually know quite a few uh, trolls that are actually quite religious, which is weird. But... <laughs> um. You know, it, it's one of those things that it's more like, oh, I want to get a rise out of people, so I'm just going to say the most stupidest shit on the planet and see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, but in terms of more, the more serious side, like you said, that uh, you're, you're getting into uh, some sort of relationship with God. Can you talk about that to the extent that you're comfortable talking about that? Yeah. Um, it, it's all... 
after watching a bunch of stuff, I've just kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, I need to find my way back to God, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to persevere. Nice. And the people around you, you've got good people around you, or a mixed bag, uh, good people and uh, dangerous people? Eh, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> so it's all about protecting yourself. I think you know uh, from being a Satanist uh, that there are all kinds of people out there, and uh, you can't get too far if you don't protect yourself spiritually and emotionally, even on a psychological level. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect? Uh, yeah, I've just been... <clears throat> kind of been putting up like setting boundaries for myself. Personal space. Yeah. And uh I just realized that a lot of the people that I associated with uh in my actual life are kind of scummy. Yeah. Happens to the best of us, and uh, I guess forgiveness is a big part of that. Uh, protect yourself, number one, and then once you have uh, your personal space and you're not being invaded and uh, abused, then you can work on forgiveness, right? Is that part of your plan? Yeah, that's part of my plan. <laughs> Easier said than done, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about the mental health side? You did talk very openly during our interviews about uh, having some uh, rough patches where you were hauled off to psych wards and uh, some of the drama with that, not very pleasant at all. I don't want to bring up dark stuff, but to the extent you're comfortable talking about it, maybe just share a little bit of the, the psycho psychological side. Is there any news on that front for you? Uh, actually, I've been quite uh, stable for a long time. So, no news. Not no, really. No. no, no news is good news on that front. <laughs> Enough said. So, uh, you're settling into a pretty stable lifestyle. What's uh, what's on your mind? What did you want to talk about? I know you're uh, you've been reaching out to me once in a while just to say hi. But I really don't know what's been going on with you. I'd like you to, to the extent that you can, in, in a public forum like this, just uh, share a little bit with me. Um, I don't know. Not really a whole lot's been going on. I mean, it's just, I've just really been uh, kind of in uh, robot mode. Robot mode. So no furry girlfriends or anything like that? Freak. <laughs> Uh, no, but I have a lot of friends that are furries. Okay. Can you explain that to me and to my uh, viewers? Because I really don't know much about it. It sounds a bit kinky. Can you just, to the extent, again, to the extent that you're comfortable talking about it in a public forum, can you talk a little bit about the furry uh, thing? The furry fandom? Well, I don't know. We just have a love of, like, anthropomorphic animals i guess okay there there's a show i think there's a show i've seen ads for it where there's a masked singer there where a cat hat a bear hat a dog hat is that what you're talking about uh no not the masked singer i mean uh there was an episode of csi a long time ago that portrayed furries in a negative light and i kind of don't like that episode okay 
misrepresenting your... Uh, is this a hobby or is this a sexual fetish or what is it? Well, for some people it can be a sexual fetish. For me, it's just a hobby. Okay. Okay. And is there a connection with cosplay? I, I don't know anything about cosplay, but I see uh, occasionally online, I see uh, sexy young women dressing up and saying, hey, I'm doing cosplay. I mean, I don't understand what that means, but can you explain it? Is there a connection with the furry movement? Um, yeah, I guess there's some overlap. I'm not really sure. It's a, There's a bit of theater. Do you take on a character or what? Yeah, there's a bit. I'd say there's actually quite a bit of theater in it. Well, that's always fun. So I'm having trouble drawing you out of your shell today. You're in a quiet mood, eh? Yeah. I got to get you talking. So maybe we'll talk about cars. What's happening with your cars? Are you excited about any car makes, models, the history of cars, antique cars? Uh, well, the new 2020 Corvette's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I feel like going down to the Chevy dealer and just test driving one just for the hell of it. <laughs> Did they have insurance for that? <laughs> I don't know. I just want to go to. I just want to go down to the Chevy dealer and test drive a brand new Corvette just. To, Say I've driven one, and maybe never come back. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. No, I, I just I because they've been uh, GM's been uh, throwing around the idea for the mid-engine Corvette since the since the '60s. Okay, mid-engine meaning not too big, not too small. No, mid-engine meaning the engine is in well, rear engine, mid-engine. Oh, okay. It's the position in, in terms of front, middle, and back? Yeah. Oh, wow. So that connects to the drivetrain in a more efficient way for uh, all-wheel drive, or what? No, well, the the new Corvette is mid-engine, rear drive. Oh, okay. Which means the motor is kind of set amidships in the chassis. Okay. Would you know how to strip down and rebuild uh, an automobile? Uh, not so good at, uh, <laughs> uh, I could fix them. You could fix but... them. Yeah. I'm just wondering how savvy you are, how much you know about the, the technology. Is it, uh, something you've well, actually dabbled I only, with? I only work on cars made prior to 1990. Okay. Uh, 1990 is an arbitrary cutoff point or is there some technology that came in that, uh, you didn't master? Well... New cars are all computer controlled, and they're kind of hard to work on. Okay, because they they don't want you to really they don't really want you to work on on your own car anymore. It's more about you know consumer consumer consume consume. You know, mm -hmm. oh your car oh your car is broken. Oh, get a new one. There you go. Really? Yeah, I've never owned a car. I've owned one so-called car but it had only three wheels it's the robin reliant over in england when i was living in, in england at the time have you seen those yeah they're they're kind of a little bit of a joke but they're 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 kind of fun too yeah easy to roll over you turn too sharply but they're classed as a motorcycle so if you have a motorcycle license but not a an automobile license you can still drive the robin reliant 
Yeah, they're they're actually actually you know Robin actually did make a uh, four a four wheel one. Okay. Um, but they're 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 uh, actually actually you have that backwards. It's Reliant Robin. Okay. Uh, the company is Reliant. Um. Uh, yeah, they made they actually had a, a kind of a sports car too, the Reliant Scimitar. Ah, uh, interesting. That that thing's actually pretty cool. But they were kind of. I hear very stories about them that they were kind of shoddily built. Yeah, mine was fiberglass body. Uh, I'm sure it weighed well under one ton. I'm not sure though. I don't know the the Robin, the Robin's kind of a kind of one of those things that if you're English or whatever you you saw them every day. Have so, you spent? There's a there's a big uh, it's a big club forum in England. Yeah, people who own Reliance. There's a big club forum over there. Yeah. So have you spent time outside of the U.S. of A? Have you ever gone overseas? Never been, never been out of the states. You're interested in uh, trying it one day? Yeah, yeah. I want to go to. I at least, I at least want to wind up in Canada someday. Yeah. Just bring a parka and a toque. And uh, you mean you mean a uh, a beanie? Well, a toque has like the long, tall cone shape with a little ball on the end. Yeah, I know what they are. <laughs> I have Canadian friends. I know what they are. So how far are you from the Canadian border? Are you close to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, or anything like that? No, I'm on the East Coast, man. Like, okay. Just, Not too far. No, uh, the, uh, the state of New Jersey. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm about... Probably, I'd say it would take me probably about, I don't know, about 10 hours to get to Canada. Okay. That's a little bit of a drive. But uh, a lot of Catholics in New Jersey, that's the stereotype. Uh, Italians, Catholics, is there any truth to that at all? Eh, North Jersey. That's North Jersey? I think your thumb might be on the camera lens. Is oh, that possible? Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize my thumb was on the camera. The smoke looks really good, though, uh, in camera. It's giving a special effect. Uh, looks good with the sunlight. But uh, So you're not exposed to a lot of uh, Catholicism where you are geographically, then? Uh, I think there's a... There's a Catholic church near me, but I'm not exactly sure where it is. And in your pursuit of God, do you are you doing any uh, reading? Like, uh, do you enjoy reading books and stuff like that, or do you uh, pray, or do you actually go to churches, like a Methodist church, a Catholic church, or anything like that? Uh, I have I have been to church a long time, but I'm, it's about uh, I feel like I need to go back. Yeah. Yeah, have you got a Bible or any religious books at home that you could pick up if you wanted to pick it up and read it or no? Yeah, I have a I have a Bible. I have a 
I think it's a King James Bible. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful language in the King James Version. I have a, several versions of the Bible, uh, including King James. And uh, even within the King James, they've got different versions of it that were put out at different points in time in the history of uh, Protestantism. Yeah, well, while well, a lot of the King James Bible was uh, was translated wrong. So. Yeah, well, that's to be expected. There's so many errors that creep into translations and into uh, these just compiling manuscripts. It's to be expected. I think we shouldn't be too um, we shouldn't be too upset to find errors in these translations and in these different compilations. And uh, that's why, as a Catholic, I'm very happy to have the living magisterium. So I don't need to depend on the book per se. I don't need to have any anxiety. I don't have anxiety about the book. Like, is it the proper translation? Is it the right set of manuscripts? Because scholars have a rough time deciding which fragments to include, which fragments to exclude. And uh, I don't need to worry about any of that because I have a living magisterium that tells me uh, the bounds within which I can explore the faith and I can explore the interpretation of God's word because uh, there are many, many layers of meaning in the Bible, and we're free to play with that and to interpret that within bounds. Like, we can't go beyond certain bounds, but within those bounds, we're free to explore. So I, I really enjoy being a Catholic in that way. I don't know what the Methodist approach is. I'm assuming they're a Protestant uh, form of Christianity, therefore they well, must be heavily Bible-based. Well, um, actually, uh, Methodism is a is a spin-off of the uh, Anglican Church. Okay. Okay. Were they Puritans? Uh, I I don't think so. No. I don't know much about them. I should look into it. But uh, you were exposed to a bit of that uh, growing up, I believe. No? Yeah, I was. Um... What does I, mean, I think I said on a previous interview that uh, my dad's a non-practicing Irish Catholic and my mom is a Methodist. Right, right. Okay, 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 okay. So are you in touch with uh, both parents? Are they both around? Yeah, I live with both my parents. Okay. So if you wanted to, you could uh, at least ask a few questions about uh, those two, uh, those two churches. Yeah. What does it look like inside a Methodist church? I've never been inside one. Is it very ornate with statues and images and yeah, candles very, and very, incense? Uh, very plain. Okay. People just sing and there's a, a preacher up front that maybe leads the worship and the songs and uh, maybe giving a long, uh, what do they call it? A sermon? Is that right? Yeah, a sermon. Um, I don't know. It's kind of plain, you know, just very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of that, 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 to be honest, that's kind of what it always be about the Catholic church is the pomp and circumstance. Hmm. Yeah. All you know. the uh, bells and whistles. Yeah. That, that, kind of a turn off really 
Mm. So, um, you like the simplified stripped down experience yeah. better? There was a movement of quietism where people just sat quietly waiting for the Holy Spirit to touch their heart and to move them in prayer and in contemplation. Uh, of course, it was thoroughly condemned by the Catholic Church, but um, it sounds like the sort of thing that would be maybe attractive to you because you like that quiet space and no distractions. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so that's fair. Yeah. You uh, take time for yourself uh, every day to be quiet. Uh, it seems like where you are right now is pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I live in a quiet neighborhood. Mm. Just, nice. You know. So you mentioned something about being in robot mode. Can you expand on that? I've never heard that expression before. Uh, just, I don't know. Uh, Autopilot. Yeah, autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> smoke your smokes. Uh, listen to your music. Uh, have you been discovering any good music? Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of uh, prog rock lately. Nice. Which era? The 60s? Uh, 70s? 70s, early 80s. Like like Rush and Yes. And... Okay. Yeah. Rush, uh, good Canadian band, right? Yeah, Britt Neil Peart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, I believe he was the brains behind that operation. Is that right? Well, he was their, their made uh, lyricist. Hmm. Getty, what... Getty and Alex wrote all the music, and uh, Neil wrote all the uh, all the lyrics. Great music and even better lyrics, I would say. I would say the lyrics but, were better. But Neil Peart also, eh, he's a great songwriter, but but kind of annoying because a lot of it was inspired by Ayn Rand and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> so you're totally over the Ayn Rand uh, objectivism trend. You're over it. Yeah, I'm, I've been over it for a long time. <laughs> What do you do when you meet someone who's totally head over heels, uh, enraptured by that? What do you say? Do you keep quiet? You keep your thoughts to yourself? Yeah, I keep my thoughts to myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, but saying that, I still think uh, the way Neil Peart interpreted it was actually pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that connection, but uh, I'll have to go back and listen. Well... I forget what it's. I don't know, man. I've just been just ever since Neil Peart, Peart died. I've been I've been uh, just blasting uh, Rush like every day. Yeah. Nice. But I mean, Rush. They're all they're all from uh, Toronto. Mm. Yeah. Well, on, Ontario. They're all from Ontario. For sure. If you say Ontario, that's pretty much Toronto and a couple other little cities. You've got Ottawa, the nation's capital, but uh, I'm from Kingston, Ontario. It's a little town, maybe, uh, I don't know, 200,000 people, something like that. But Toronto's the city, the capital of Canada, so. 
A lot of people there. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and Rush's song YYZ is based on the... The Zipper? intro is based on the Morse code uh, for uh, uh, Pearson Airport. Oh. Okay. Do 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 do. Yeah, that's cool. That's YYZ is the Morse code code for Pearson Airport. Cool. Very cool. I wonder if they have a conspiracy theory about Neil Peart's death. Probably. No, but it's sad, man. He died of he died of brain cancer. Is that right? Okay. Sad. Yeah. Um that actually that several people in my family have have uh have had brain cancer. Really? My grandfather died of it. Um uh, my mom's cousin has uh has had two brain tumors. Wow. Do you get your head checked once in a while? I should. Your thumb might be on the lens again. Sorry, I'm doing something. Okay. So, not a problem. So, yeah, that's pretty heavy when you know you have that hereditary um, trait in the family. It can weigh on you. And, so then, yep. and then the other side of my family... My dad's side, uh, my grandfather died of Alzheimer's. My aunt died of Alzheimer's. And my other aunt had Alzheimer's. Okay. Yeah. So, at so least... Basically, it's a, it's a cluster of bad shit. Yeah. Yeah, well, at least you know what sorts of things you might be prone to, and you can let your doctor know if you go to your doctor regularly uh, for your checkup. You can let them know what to look out for, maybe... Uh, that might help with early diagnoses or anything that might help, right? Without getting paranoid about it, obviously. Yeah, I'm not paranoid about it. It's just, you know, it's something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So what else is going on with you? It's been uh, probably uh, about a year since we spoke last. There must be something uh, spiritually in terms of growth uh just talk f from the heart man what's uh what's been on your mind i'm sure you got lots of deep thoughts in that head of your, that big head of yours i don't know it's become a lot more forgiving i guess nice the softer gentler pie chris yeah it's become a lot more forgiving and i, and I don't let what uh stuff bother me as much Nice. Feels good, doesn't it? Letting go. Letting go of the resentment, the anger, the frustration, the pain, the misery, the confusion. Feels good. It does. Sadness is not so bad. You can you can deal with sadness. That's okay. But all that uh, turmoil, that's the that's the black stuff. That's the dark stuff. You. Uh, I'd much rather just uh, have a low-level sadness in the background than have uh, that jarring spikes of hatred, anger, resentment, all that sort of stuff. Don't you agree? Well, yeah, I agree. Um, 
after after my sister died, I just that's kind of when the autopilot started. Hmm. Sorry for your loss. That's very painful. Very very sad. Not easy. Hasn't been easy. I mean, I still I still cry sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a broken heart that will uh, heal you. It's going to heal you. Yeah, my, my heart, my heart is like a empty space in my heart. Mm. Yeah. Takes time. Does. I mean, she died like almost uh almost 2 years ago and I'm still reeling from it. She was my uh she wasn't just my sister, she was my best friend. Yeah, you realize the impact that each of us has, each one of us, you know, we're told by the media, the mass media that we don't matter, but uh, each and every one of us matters deeply and we affect the lives of those around us. And so we can't listen to the evil messages of uh, stupid movies and uh, stupid propaganda and advertising and the news, so-called news. Each life matters, and uh, you have a big imp- you have a big impact on those around you. And uh, sometimes we don't realize what a big imp- impact it is until tragedy strikes. But uh, you got to bear in mind uh, your value, the, the infinite dignity that each person has. Even if it's a bum on the street, you see someone homeless. And you don't think, you just walk past them, but you have to think about the fact that this is someone's son, it's someone's brother, and they have dignity, just like you have dignity, and they have value, they have worth, and they have an impact on the people around them. And uh, even if they're ignored and shoved to the side and thrown onto the waste basket of life, uh, it's it's still a human being, and we still have to uh, cherish that. Yeah, there used to be a couple of homeless people around here and one of the one of them one of the guys was a was a um a veteran Mm. and it made me sad because my dad's a veteran and i don't know i i probably talked to him for a good hour and uh just broke my heart Mm. Yep. Discarded by society, but uh, still a rich source of love, compassion, information, uh, life experience, history, and service to his country, most of all. Can you imagine? Yeah, man. The way they... That's one thing in in the States that annoys me is that they... They expect these guys to go over and fight a war, and then when they come back, they get no help. Mm. It it's it boggles my mind. Like, how can you do that? Cold, cold, cold. Like, my dad's a Vietnam vet, 
and he he saw some. I mean, he wasn't in combat, but he saw some stuff over there that would turn a person white. Mm. <clears throat> Mass graves and the like. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I I I I get that's why my dad's a little in the head, but. But I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't blame them or anything. It's just, you know, I can understand how that would impact somebody and bother them. For sure. For sure. Yeah, we need to be compassionate and understanding. And uh, some things we'll never understand, obviously, about the other person's experience. But if you at least give them space to be who they are and to uh, react and respond the way they have to, because... Uh, because of the trauma, right? It's uh, There's a lot of trauma that people experience and they don't really have a chance to explain it because it's almost impossible to explain these traumatic emotional impacts of war or of being raped or uh, having an abortion or whatever it is. Maybe being abused, bullied, whatever it is. It's hard, it's hard to put into words sometimes, especially if your brain is bouncing around inside your head with uh, all those confusing emotions and uh, the trauma. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to grasp sometimes how, um, how like not caring a lot of uh, people in power are. Yep. institutionalized everything systematic top-down control and uh, I'm not blaming any individuals that are involved but if you look at uh, if you look at Hitler's system and the you know the people of goodwill under him who are just doing their job and instrumental in something very atrocious and evil uh, these were good people they're good people that are participating as instruments in something that is very systematically evil. And it's hard to take responsibility and say, I'm going to be the only one of the thousands of little cogs in this great machine that's going to stand up and say, no, it's hard. It's really hard to do that. So we need to, we need to understand that those who are, are instrumental in evil often don't know how to stop the machine. And it's just better to feed their family and to mind their own business and to say, well, look, I'm not directly responsible. It's not my project. I'm just a cog in the wheel here, a uh, cog in the machine, and uh, it's not my fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Just give me a second here. Sure. Um, yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of those things, man. It's just... So those things, like you say, like everyone's at fault, but no one's at fault. Yep. And I, I had, I met somebody who couldn't grasp that concept. Hmm. You know, everyone's at fault, but no one's at fault at the same time. Yep. 
Yeah, they're like, what? You know, I don't, I don't under, they're like, I don't understand that. And I'm like, I, whatever. You can't teach that. You gotta, you gotta experience the injustice or at least uh, be impacted by it to see the subtlety of systemic evil. It's true. You've been in an institution, you've seen the machine at work in some small way, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I have. You've never uh, been you've never been in prison though, right? No. That's another big machine, yeah? Yeah. Very big machine. In the United States of America, I think there are more people incarcerated than in any other country, no? Maybe yeah. maybe China has more? Um China probably has more, but you know, the Chinese lie about everything, so <laughs> like like they lied about the coronavirus and the death toll and the and the actual infected numbers. They lied. To save face. Mm. A lot of lies. A lot of lies. I don't know who's lying about what, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people are lying about a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's true. I've been watching some prison documentaries about the falsely accused. Once they get in that system, it's hard to get out. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, a lot of these uh, supposed authorities are all full of shit anyway. Yeah, well, they like money, they like power, and uh, not to caricature politicians but there is a lot of that in human nature and i'm sure if i had a lot of power and a lot of money i'd be no better i'm pretty sure yeah it's um boggles my mind how anybody who wants to be a politician just don't <laughs> just don't it's gonna, it's gonna... You're going to have the best intentions when you first start out, and then by the end, you'll be a symbol of corporate greed. Mm. I like your campaign slogan, just don't. <laughs> if, I was, if I was running for office, that would be my campaign, <laughs> my campaign slogan, just don't. So, yes, we can. Oh, no, you better didn't. <laughs> So, not to get too controversial, but I don't know where you stand on Donald Trump. What's your take? Do you want to talk about that, or you're you're okay with that? Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't hate the guy, but I'm not a big fan either. Okay. I mean, some things he does okay, they're all right, like the tax breaks and, you know, some other stuff. But other stuff he does is like, what are you, I'm like, what are you doing? Hmm. So not like a crazy, like anti-Trumper, but, you know, I have my issues. Yeah. Any prediction for what's coming up in November or no? Well, uh, all the Democrat candidates suck. So I think Trump's going to get reelected. Yeah. 
That's what the betting polls are saying. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. That because all the demo, the current Democrat ca- uh, candidates are all uh, are all terrible. The only the only one that was out front, the only one that was in the running that could have beaten Trump, they didn't put any support behind. Who was that? Tulsi Gabbard. Never heard of him slash her. It's a her. Okay. Heading inside? What? You're heading indoors? Yeah. My phone's, like, needs to be charged, so I'm going to okay. throw it on the charger. Okay. So, we could wrap it up here if your phone's dying and if you don't have anything else to say. That's good. I, I got it plugged in. It's good. We're good. You're Okay. It's a typical first world problem. The battery's dying. That's like the slogan of life now for most people. My battery's dying. Yeah. Got to find that charger. Yeah. Very symbolic, I think, of the way we live our short term. uh, It's like those little gerbils in a cage with their little pellet feeders. They get the little one pellet at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Just keep you occupied, keep you busy. You got your little pellet, little energy pellet. Recharge your phone, check your phone. Use your phone, check your phone. Recharge your phone. Where's your phone? I think modern technology is both a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Yeah, it's both. It's completely both a a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing because I could be anywhere in the world and Oh, I need to look something up. Okay. <laughs> but the rest of it is like, you know, people are going to be, you know, texting me, <laughs> <laughs> sending me messages and stuff. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you find it hard to resist uh, the comeback uh, returning the message or you always respond or do you ever ignore the messages? Uh, sometimes I ignore messages, but not always. Mm. Well, I noticed with you, sometimes you say hello to me, uh, and then I say hello, and that pretty much ends the conversation. Is is that often the case with you? Sometimes. <laughs> the man of few words, right? Old school. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, sometimes I go... A couple of days without texting people back. <laughs> Isn't that called ghosting? Yeah, I think that's called ghosting. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> so what about uh, food? Are you excited about any food? It seems like you might have gained a little bit of weight since your sister passed away. Is that true? Yeah. I think I'm roughly about 300 pounds right now. Really? Yeah. And is there a connection with the emotion? Probably. So I eat when I'm sad. Okay. Yeah, that's very common. So uh, any plan to curb the appetite or anything like that? <clears throat> um, I don't know. Not right now. No. 
any food discoveries where you discovered you like a certain recipe or any uh, rest your favorite restaurant around the corner you discovered anything like that worth mentioning uh well there's a restaurant up the street called uh friendlies and i'm not a big fan but it's like they have like one thing on the menu that's actually quite awesome what's that uh it's called the honey barbecue uh chicken uh, super melt and it's like it's like chicken strips cheese barbecue sauce and branch <laughs> oh Sounds good, but it sounds like a lot of calories, man. That's pretty much how I eat every day. That's how I eat. I'm surprised I'm not 300 pounds myself. Yeah, but I don't eat that very often because it's very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I want to let you know, I just got a message in the live chat from my friend, my dear friend, Nicola Krisik. He says, pray when you're sad. Hard to do, but amazing effect. I think uh, I think he's right. I think if you could pray to God, reach out to God, even if you're not sure about religion, uh, just reach out to God when you're sad. And uh, Nicholas says you're going to get good results. And uh, he's sending his love and blessings to you. So uh, really nice guy, Nicola. I don't know if you've seen him in the comments on my channel, but uh, real sweet guy. Oh. never really interacted with your audience okay well there you go he's sending you some uh, some love and some good advice pray when you're sad what do you think of that good idea yeah yeah it's uh it's a big part of my uh religion you know sadness and the sorrow uh, the seven sorrows of mary the, the seven sorrows of jesus and uh uh, suffering, torture, disrespect, uh, you know, he's innocent, and yet he's not given any sort of due reverence or respect. I mean, he's the creator of everything that it is. So in, in my religion, sadness and disappointment and um, all these sorts of tragic, negative emotions and experiences center on the person of the God man Jesus Christ it's very very powerful it's very very poignant touching and mind-boggling it really does give you a lot of perspective on our own little sufferings and I know your sufferings uh, are significant losing your sister and other different tragedies that touch your life directly or indirectly but when you think about God Almighty who is infinitely perfect infinitely good infinitely wise infinitely loving and so generous and so humble that he came and he not only created us, but he took on flesh and he came to redeem us and to suffer and die for our sins. It's really, really touching and it gives your suffering meaning and perspective and it uh, it can help to bring joy to even the most painful tragedies. So I don't know if you've touched that in religion, in your relationship with God, reaching up to God. I don't know if you've seen a glimpse of that, but I'm letting you know now. It's a big part of Christianity, and it's a it's something that you can benefit from 
Uh, if you believe it, I mean, if you don't believe it, you don't believe it. But uh, if you come to believe it, believe me, you're going to have a new perspective on sadness, suffering, tragedy, pain, death, everything. All the things that we fear and we loathe. Even Christ himself said, if it's possible, let this cup of tragedy and pain and suffering and torture and death pass from me. If it's possible, God, let it pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. So well, uh, that's a big I've lesson for us. I've always held the belief that out of great tragedy can come great happiness. Mm. For sure. Joy. Yeah, like, yeah, my sister died and I'm sad about it, but I also remember all the all the fun stuff I did with my sister. And it sort of it cheers me up. Yeah. It's it oh, sorry. <laughs> Is your mouth covered? Oh, there you go. Yep. It's heavy. It's very heavy. I hope you have friends, good friends. You mentioned you have a good friend. Uh, I hope you have friends that can always be there to listen to you. You haven't had any sort of suicidal thoughts or anything like that since your sister passed? Oh, no. No, I have. So you need friends and family uh, that you can open up to and uh, always communicate, uh, even though it's hard. Let people know where you're at. If you got no one else, just uh, reach out to me, you know. Know that you're loved and uh, you're valued and the, the impact of the loss of your sister is a taste of how if we were to lose you, it would be, uh, it would be just another tragedy. There's, uh, it's not a winning move, not a winning move for anyone. So oh, I just, I don't know, man. I, my, see, I'm the, I'm the baby, right? Yeah. And my sister is, 18 years older than me. Mm. She was, she had just turned 18 when I was born. Like, she had turned 18 the previous November and I was born in March. So, um, she is like, she told me that when she first saw me, I was like six months old and like it was like an immediate connection hmm. and uh because like she has like she was my half sister like so same father different mother um But I didn't really consider her my. She was my full sister anyway, you know. But yeah. she has. Uh, she had. Um, like, I don't know, seven other siblings from her mother. 
But no matter how you look at it, I was like literally her baby brother. So she was very protective of me. She always had my back. And uh, I miss that. Yeah. Yeah, no matter no matter what, she always she always had my back. Like she defended me constantly and to everybody. And uh I miss that in my life. Do you think she went to a better place? I mean, obviously you see the good in her. She uh, she's a creature of God. God loves her, and uh, hopefully she loved God too, and she's in a better place now. Is there any comfort or solace that you get from the fact that maybe she's watching over you now? Maybe she's in a better place. Maybe she can, uh, in some unknown and mysterious way, look out for you. Is it is it something oh, no. that gives you comfort? Oh, no. I, I, I already 100% believe she's watching over, watching over my family. Okay, good. Especially, especially her daughter. Mm. How old's your daughter? My niece, so. How old is she? Uh, 20, she'll be 25 in September. Okay. 25. Yeah, she'll be 20, yeah, she's 20, basically she's 25, so. And I'm 31, so she's like, I'm almost, I'm almost seven years older than her. <laughs> almost. And you're close with her? Oh, yeah. Nice. She, uh, she's been, she, they had to go back to where they were living um, the visit, and they'll be back within the week. Okay. Her and her husband, and her and her uh, her baby. Ah. How old's the baby? Uh, it's about about nine months. Ah. Congratulations! So there's a new life in the family. Yeah. And. I, I said to my niece, I said, uh, it's weird, your mom dies and then you and then you, you get uh you get pregnant. <laughs> nice. It's kinda like you know, it's a little miracle, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Very touching. I mean it's not gonna you know, it's not gonna bring back her mom, but she's got, you know, Got somebody new to take care of. Yeah. Nice. Very moving. Very moving. Uh, every life is so full of drama. I, you almost wonder why anyone watches TV and movies when there's so much drama right around us. You know? Yeah. Well, there's times where uh, art imitates life, and life imitates art. So. When that, and when that happens, it's always kind of like uh, a little spooky sometimes. 
I don't know, David. <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling. Yeah, well, we're going to wrap it up here because I do have to get going. But uh, it's nice seeing your face. It's been a while. And uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about what's going on with you. And uh, just know that you're loved. We love you. And uh, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. And I hope that you, uh, you'll think of me and pray for me and mine too. Because uh, like, like you said, it's a bit of a struggle sometimes. So we got to be there for each other, right? Yeah. True. Um, uh, uh, to your audience, I say, you know, just be, just be excellent to each other. To quote, to quote, <laughs> to quote Bill and Ted, just be excellent to each other. Nice. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for coming on. We'll do this again sometime. Uh, oh, anytime, David. Anytime. God bless you. Uh, I'll be praying for you. I hope you pray for me in your own way. And uh, say hello to your loved ones for me if you think it's appropriate. And uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, no problem. Take care. Have a good one. God bless. Bye.